Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 72, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. Thanks for joining in on yet another podcast interview. This one is with Stacey Foley. She is a business and life coach that focuses on helping creatives grow their business and achieving their goals. She started off in multiple different careers, ended up in the wedding industry, and then turned that into a business and life coaching company that initially started with helping the people involved with weddings and coaching them into creating the best business they can be and then now has turned into more of a woman empowerment speaking and just helping all people grow themselves personal lives and in their business she talks about how she ended up in the, this career path and why she loves helping people we talk about brand strategy and why it's important to focus on depth of a brand as opposed to just vanity and making it pretty people crave connection and if you can do that for your clients then you'll have repeat customers Stacy talks about why journaling is so important and how it has helped her grow in her life and her business and why actually writing down your goals is key to achieving them I asked her for a few prompts for journaling because for myself I tried journaling one time or a couple times and I just didn't really know where to start. I know it's practice, but um, it's hard to just sit down with a blank piece of paper and then just write things down. So she gave a few good examples of prompts to use when you are gonna sit down and journaling. Um, we talk about finding a balance that works for you and not comparing yourself to others because that can be very toxic to your life, um, mostly through social media, but also just in general comparing yourself to other people that are doing similar things in life. So this is a well-rounded conversation. She shares tons of advice and tips and tricks for personal life and business life. So I'm sure you'll enjoy this one. Let's jump into it. Here is Stacy. Do you want to start with introducing yourself and give us three fun facts? Sure, absolutely. So um, hi everybody, my name is Stacy Foley. Um, three fun facts about myself is number one, I have nine different tattoos, um, all of which have a special and personal meaning to me. Number two, I am pretty much the biggest red velvet addict that you can imagine. Uh, I am a gluten-free person, so I think I've tasted every gluten-free red velvet cake quite possibly within like 500 kilometers of Calgary. Um, and number three, I am a hidden but very large Oprah fan. So I love Oprah, totally obsessed with her. Um, I seen her recently when she was in Edmonton, um, but my love for Oprah runs deep and I do believe solely that one day I'm gonna get a chance to meet her. So um, those are sort of my three fun facts about myself. Um, yeah. I love it. Um, and where's the best red velvet gluten-free cake in Calgary? You know what? It's actually in Cochrane, and um, it is called Avenue Bakery, and they are up in Sunset, and they make the best red velvet gluten-free cupcakes I've ever had. They're like, the, yeah, it, it's probably the best red velvet I've had even before I couldn't eat gluten. So um, Avenue Bakery in Cochrane, hands down. There we go. I will have to go check them out. <laughs> um, and before we get into what you do now, what did you go to school for before, and what did you think you're going to be? Yeah, so I actually graduated high school and went to college uh, to be a massage therapist, which I was uh, for eight years. And 
when I was in high school and younger, I actually wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I have an innate sense of arguing. <laughs> so um, being a lawyer was something that I really wanted to do. And then uh, once I got through high school and stuff, truth be told, I'm, I'm not great at the whole school thing. So um, I chose massage therapy. I did that for quite a few years. Uh, and then lo and behold, my path changed um, and developed into something entirely different. So, uh, but I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer one day. Interesting. It's so funny how you think you're going to be in like a traditional career and then you end up realizing you want to do something you actually are passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good thing. I think that as we evolve, we change. And I remember somebody having said to me once that in your lifetime, you will change your career three times. Um, and that oftentimes it takes that evolution of age to figure out where you really want to be. So I'm glad today that I did not in fact become a lawyer. Totally. I totally understand that. Um, and then what happened after that? After so I went to massage therapy school. I was a massage therapist for um, eight years and then I actually got pregnant. And um, once I got pregnant with my daughter, I realized that the physicalness of the job wasn't something that I wanted to continue to do. So I worked at a golf course um, and their events coordinator got fired and I decided that that was a perfect opportunity for me. So it really was the right place, right time. I became their events coordinator for a few years after I had my baby. A friend of mine had a friend who got married and asked me if I would plan their wedding privately. I did. And that was the start of my wedding planning business, which I owned and operated for 10 years. Um, I was an award-winning internationally published wedding planner um, in Edmonton and then here in Calgary. And through that, I created a wedding blog, uh, built a community around myself of creative business owners. Uh, last September, I retired my wedding planning hat so that I could focus on my creative coaching and speaking business. So I travel a lot um, with speaking and I currently shifted my focus from brides to the amazing women who serve brides every weekend. So um, that shift was sort of an evolution for me after 10 years of working with brides um, to be able to now mentor and coach the people who spend their days working with them. Okay, so you're still involved a little bit in the industry of weddings. Yeah, I'm very much involved. Yeah, so um, we, with the blog, um, last year with the evolution of No Longer Serving Brides sort of shifted focus um, and sold, uh, I'm in the process actually right now of selling JoyWed to another company that will continue to run it. Um, and I primarily focus on creative business women. So I do have a personal brand that is focused on empowering women and, and honoring their stories and speaking their truth. Um, but a lot of the education and stuff that I do, um, is still through, uh, photography workshops and workshops for people who are within the creative industry. So, um, yeah, it's definitely still a, a big factor of my life. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Um, and what were some of the biggest lessons you learned about business in yourself, um, in the last like 10 years of your career? Uh, I think the biggest one for me is that you have to be willing to accept that one success does not come overnight. Um, success is hard and it takes a lot of work. So for a lot of people, I think we believe that once we launch something, we're going to see an insane number of following and that it's going to kind of happen overnight, but it doesn't. Success and reputation take time. Um, number two, I think organization is key to success. I think that especially as a wedding planner, that was the biggest thing that I learned was 
um, organization is the number one thing you have to be phenomenal at in order to do your job well, because there's so many moving parts to being a planner and, and to running a business in general that if we do not have a system in place and we don't have organization in our business, then um, you're going to fail at it. So I think for me, um, organization and just that realization that patience really is a virtue when it comes to business, you have to build a reputation no matter how much we put into marketing and we put into getting our names out there, um, truthfully, the biggest payback is still word of mouth and that takes time. So um, patience and organization, I think are two of the key components to running a successful business. I love that, especially the word of mouth thing, because I understand that too, like running a client business, everybody thinks that if they just post a couple photos on Instagram, then their business is just going to explode. But it's really about the person who you are and making that connection with clients rather than, being able to take good photos for Instagram kind yeah, of thing. Um, and we kind of talked about why you were switching careers. Um, do you ever want to go back to planning the wedding or do you like being on this side of the people involved? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> 10 years is my max. Um, you know, I, I, the clients that I had through 10 years were amazing and there are times on Saturdays when I'm still on Instagram and within the industry and I see people posting all these beautiful images that I miss the design aspect of it. Um, design was, was where I really focused. And so I definitely miss that sometimes as a creative outlet, um, but the actual logistics of planning and, and being in the throes of it on Saturdays. No, I, I don't. Um, there are such incredibly talented women in this city and in this industry that do such an incredible job at it. And I believe that those are the women that deserve the work and recognition. I think that if your heart's not hundred percent in it, you shouldn't do it. And um, you end up not serving your clients to the best potential and in turn that, that fades your reputation. So um, I don't miss it. I don't ever wish to go back to it. And I think that for me, as a creative, I understand the creative soul and um, how people are, you know, empaths and they're sensitive. And so I like being on this side of it and I like being able to empower women and empower um, that side of them to take care of themselves, to be able to serve people better. So um, no, it's taken me until 35, but I think now I've definitely stepped into my own and I know without a doubt, I'm standing exactly where I belong. That's amazing to hear. One more wedding question, just because I'm currently planning a wedding. Yay. What would be your, your best advice for brides planning their own wedding? <laughs> um, do your research. So I think that without a wedding planner, and I planned my own wedding without a wedding planner, so um, but definitely do your research and remember the purpose of why you're doing this. It's easy to get lost in the pretty and the expensive and the grand walk of the show but I think at the end of the day we have to remember that a wedding is about a marriage and if you can embrace all the chaos that happens because there's always chaos if you can embrace it knowing that at the end of the day it really doesn't matter because you're still standing next to the person that you belong with then it's worth it in the end so um, you know just give yourself some grace on that day do your research in advance to make sure that you're getting what you want I love it. I will take that to heart. Although my partner, Chris, he's really good at being like, well, we don't have to have a wedding. He was like, I don't know why we're doing all this. So he keeps me grounded in that. That is a fiance's job. <laughs> and <it's always laughs> yes. to be the man who has the more vocal opinion on where we spend wedding money. So uh, I do believe that's why we end up with somebody who is kind of the yin to our yang. It's to keep us in that space. 
totally. <laughs> um, and can you talk about kind of how you developed your business as it is today? Um, did you have clients? Did you have the clients before and then you just transitioned into this? Was it more from networking or how did you um, become successful in what you're doing today? Yeah, so it actually started for me as an educator. So um, I got invited two years ago to speak at a workshop. And um, in that speak, in that speech, it was primarily about sort of how to get published on a blog. Uh, and through time, my focus changed and with that development changed my business. So what I speak about now is primarily branding in terms of not brand identity and what's pretty, but brand strategy and what gives it depth. So I speak a lot about, you know, honoring your story and allowing your personal side to be developed into your brand and that people are craving connection right now and they crave that connection with somebody. So when you're able to do that and give that to your clients, you are more likely to have repeat clientele. So it actually started for me in a sense of speaking at workshops and then photographers who were attending workshops years later became educators who hosted their own workshops. And then I got invited to speak at those. So that's how it sort of started developing. And then I had a couple of private clients reach out to me and say, Hey, Stace, um, you know, I'm going through some creative business things. Um, have you ever considered coaching? And so it was something that started slowly. And then I actually went and got trained through the International Coaching Federation, um, just in terms of life and business coaching. And then I was able to start putting that into my clients. So it started as something that just developed over time. It was not a quick decision. It wasn't something that I chose to do overnight. Um, and I feel like it's still constantly evolving. You know, when I start to evolve and as I start to realize the things that spark that power and that purpose inside of myself, then that passion is given into my clients. So it started as a slow development. It definitely started as an educator first. Um, I hit the road again in September. I've got a pile of speaking engagements between September and October. So um, it's something that still lights a fire in me. And that gives me the ability to coach people on a one-on-one -on -one basis as well. Right. And since you were a business owner and you were the creative side of lots of things, you're able to give them your own experience as well, um, paired with the like coaching skills that you've learned. Yeah. And that's a big factor. You know, um, having been a creative business owner for 10 years, plus running a blog that focused on creatives for, for half of that time, um, I understand the psyche of creatives. It is, it's different than other business people. So it gives me that opportunity to be able to coach them more on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, a lot of what I do through Instagram and just in general is female empowerment. And because I'm a woman, obviously that becomes easier to speak about as well. So um, there are definitely two sides to the business. A lot of my one-on-one -on -one mentor coaching is primarily creatives just because of my business history. Um, but my following on Instagram and a lot of the conferences and things that I speak at are actually not creative related at all. It's mostly just female empowerment. So there's definitely sort of two facets to the business. Right. Well, and especially they go hand in hand too, which I'm sure is easy, but then you can reach more people if you're just speaking about women empowerment in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what would you say are some of the biggest limitations and obstacles that you see with your clients when it comes to either their business or their life? Um, just in general. Fear. The biggest one is fear. Um, people lack that confidence in themselves um, people are scared of doing something that is outside of the norm because people are terrified of being judged. 
And fear holds everybody back from accomplishing everything in life that they want to, myself included. Uh, We are afraid of what people will say and what people will think and how people will respond to it. And instead of creating something that we believe and trust and know we're meant to do, we stay in routine or we stay in a job that we don't like, or we stay maybe even in a marriage that we're not satisfied in um, because we are more afraid of judgment than we are worried about our own happiness. So I think people's number one limitation on themselves is themselves. They are more afraid of everybody else and what everybody's going to think than they are concerned about listening to what's really in their souls. So Um, that is such a huge component of what I try to teach people is that we need to speak our truth and find our voices because as women, we are often raised with this mentality that men have the voice and we are sort of along for the ride. And I love that women are starting to come out of the woodworks and they're starting to stand up for themselves um, because we do come from, you know, a bit of a skewed perception of reality when it comes to women's lives. So uh, I think the biggest thing for women is we need to find that confidence in ourselves to speak our truth. And we need to not be afraid of what we want to accomplish in life. And we have to have the confidence to know that we are worthy of it. Totally. I a hundred percent agree with that. And how um, do you advise people to start overcoming their fear or kind of taking like a step forward in the direction that they're meant to go. Cause it can be like overwhelming to just be like, yeah, like it's fine. Just stand up for yourself and just um, find your passion and do that. So what are some of the like little things that you advise people to do to really move, get the momentum going? Yeah. So I think baby steps is actually key. Um, I never advise anybody to jump all in in one shot um, because it is overwhelming. And oftentimes what happens when we do jump all in is that we lose our momentum because the fear becomes more crippling when we try to do it all at once. So baby steps is a big, is a big factor. Um, I'm a big believer on journaling. Uh, I think that when we're able to get clear on our thoughts and our goals, we're able to see our vision more clearly. So I often, you know, suggest to my clients that they work on journaling. There's a bunch of different ways to journal. Um, I'm somebody who actually journals sometimes more than once a day, depending on what I'm focused on. So, um, you know, morning journaling can often be our, our long-term goals and what we're hoping to accomplish because when we start our day off looking at our goals, it makes our path very clear on what it's going to take to accomplish them. So for example, I myself am working on, uh, my biggest one is to be an author. I'm working on penning my first book. I turned 36 in August. That's my goal for my 36 years to write my book finally. So, um, when I sat down and wrote down my goals, I realized that a lot of the things that I was doing in my life currently were not getting me anywhere near that step. So sometimes when we write down our biggest goals, it gives us an opportunity to see where we want to go. If we are currently in a job or in a relationship or in a situation that's not going to get us to where we want to be, we need to start considering the steps we can take to get ourselves out of that space. So even if it's something as simple as, you know, just starting to inquire about a new job, or if it's a business that you want to start start with an Instagram page, start with a Facebook page, start with a business plan. Um, You know, make sure that you've got a plan before you jump two feet in. And it's okay to work a full-time job where you're getting a business off the ground. Not very many people are able to launch a business and have have it be a full-time career within a year. So we have to understand that we can't put too many expectations on ourselves, but as long as we take baby steps in the right direction, um, it doesn't matter how big the steps are as long as we continue to move forward. 
Right. Well, and it goes back to, like you said, to be patient with yourself and with life. And so you just have to make those baby steps and eventually it'll turn into what you were envisioning in the first place. Absolutely. And going back just a second to the journaling, when you journal, you said your goals, but do you have any other like questions you think of or like what kind of prompts would you suggest people use to journal? Yeah. So I use a different um kind of system so i use a goal system first so when i journal my goals i write sort of my 10 biggest goals that i hope to accomplish and based on sort of power of intention i set when i want to accomplish them by um it puts into motion movement for what i'm hoping to accomplish um the second journaling that i do is actually gratitude journaling so i end my day every day with 10 things that I'm grateful for on that day. And the reason is because when you know that you're going to sit down at the end of the day to journal things that you're grateful for, you spend your day looking for things to be grateful for. And as we practice abundance in our lives, the more things that we are abundance and the more thing that we are grateful for, the more that is provided for us. So um, as somebody who is you know, a pretty big believer in the power of the universe, I'm somebody who sets my journaling around those kinds of goals. Um, I like to be able to go back to them and envision them or go back into a notebook a year down the road and see if I accomplished what I'd hoped to accomplish at this point in my life. So um, I definitely do goal journaling. I definitely do gratitude journaling. Um, and then I just am somebody who just writes. As a writer, uh, it's important for me to just get my thoughts out onto paper. So a lot of the times when I do sit down to journal, um, it's just a matter of expressing honestly where I'm at in that day and how I'm feeling because so many of us are afraid to actually express it honestly outside of ourselves. So sometimes even just putting pen to paper on our emotions helps us to sort of cope with them and, and work through them. It's just like people say, sometimes if you have something to say to somebody, you write it in a letter and you never really send the letter, but it feels better to put it out there. So um, the other you know practice I do is just purely journaling emotion. I love that. And it does take practice too. Cause I know I started journaling a few months ago um, on and off and you have to just get over like judging yourself about what you're writing. If that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know, if, you know, cause you write it down and you're like, Oh my God, like, I don't know if I can write this. Like people are going <laughs> to yeah, have to like so get over it. <laughs> you got to get out of your head. That's the kicker to journaling. You can't. And it's the same thing with goal setting, you know, um, it's, terrifying because we write these things down and we think to ourselves you know fear ego steps in and it's like well you're never going to accomplish that in that amount of time but that's the whole thing of the goal it doesn't need to be realistic it needs to be as big as you could possibly imagine because it's your grandest your grandest adventure that you want to work towards so um you know for most of us we write it down and we think oh my god if anybody's seen this they would be like yeah right that's not going to happen but it's not for anybody to see it's for your eyes and we have to learn to get out of our minds and out of that space of fear and just put out there what we really want in life and what our biggest goals are. And it doesn't matter if it takes you five extra years from, from your goal date, but what matters is that you see it because when you see it and you read it, then you can work towards it. Right. And would you, do you, do you believe in the whole like manifestation thing where like you've written it down and you've kind of thought about it. So it's there to exist. I do. Yeah, I'm a big believer in manifestation. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's an impossibility to believe that everything in the world is not accomplished by something bigger. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't take hard work. And that if you just think about it, it's going to happen. You know, I'd love to manifest chocolate cake every day. And it's not <laughs> 
but that's not reality. So I'm, you know, I'm somebody who believes that you have to have both the power of vision and the power of work ethic. Um, but even just in, you know, the whole grandeur of life, it's an impossibility to believe that there isn't something bigger out there that is behind us and that has our backs. So, um, yeah, I do believe in the power of manifesting. And I do believe that if we are able to see it and envision it and feel it, um, that there's a, a magic to that. And you have to really believe in that in order for it to have an impact on your life. I have an incredibly skeptical husband who, um, you know, in the last 13 years we've been together, he has shifted his mindset a lot. Um, but it takes time and it takes resilience. And when you're somebody who doesn't see life that way, um, sometimes it's overlooking the fact that you think you're worth a little crazy um, to be able to see the bigger picture. And now after this many years, you know, he even has things now that he works on. So I think that when we're able to really honor what we believe, it sometimes helps those around us to see things in a different light. Totally. Well, and some people just need the extra like push and support to do things like that, especially when it becomes like your partner or like no offense to men, but sometimes they need a little more extra push to do things like that, to, to narrow in on like their goals and personal development and things like that. Yeah. They almost always need an extra push. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it like that, but that I don't need <laughs> I am the woman who speaks truth. They, they almost always need to push. I think that men are just a different mentality. You know, they're very, um, not that they're not goal orientated, but men have this ability to truly live in a moment and be okay with where they are in that exact day. And they don't always look to the future um, where we as women have this innate ability to dream and fantasize about what's to come in our lives. So when you're able to find a partner that maybe doesn't necessarily have the same belief system, but supports that you do, um, in turn, you can start to see development in them. My husband was not a goal setter. My husband was somebody who was just okay with being okay. Um, and he married a woman who is not okay with being okay. Um, he married a woman who is strong and fierce and vocal and has some pretty large goals for her life. So uh, it took some time with him to be able to start seeing those things come into development. And it's the same thing when you're starting a business. You know, for a lot of us, we have a vision of what we want our lives to look like and we can see it clearly, but that does not mean that your spouse can. And it's not necessarily that they're not supportive. It's just that they don't understand. So sometimes it takes time for them to get on board with it, especially if you've tried something in the past and, you know, it deemed as failed, even though I don't believe in failure, but even if it's, you know, deemed as that, it's a lesson. And so you continue to grow. So I think, you know, a spouse or your partner, whomever you're with is actually a really big part of your success as well. Completely. Well, especially if you spend lots of your life with them or you're trying to get mm -hmm. to them. You're on the same road as them, so it always helps if you see eye to eye. Do you have any like tips or tricks to start those conversations with your partner for anyone listening, um, so that it's not like you're not just bombarding them one time, being like, "You have to write down your feelings and tell me everything you want in life." <laughs> yeah, you can do like me, and you can buy books and leave them on your husband's nightstand and hope he reads them. <laughs> um, I think it's just you know, it's, it's honestly just vulnerability, um, sitting down and, and having those conversations, even though they can be slow at first, it's something as simple as, you know, being on a date night and saying, that's my water app. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, it's something as simple as, you know, being on a date night and just saying like, yeah, I just wanted to kind of see what you, you know, envision for the future or what your 
goals are. I think that as you are in a relationship, you know, when you first start out in a relationship, those things are things you kind of lay out on the table right off the get-go because your very first thing is, do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? And that in itself is a goal and you know that you're headed in the same direction. So I think it, it's still the same. It's just a matter of, you know, having the conversation slowly. Um, we are pretty intuitive creatures. So we know if we're not headed in the same path, we know if we're on different paths, if we're headed in different directions, we, we know within ourselves if we're even in the right relationship. So when you are in the right relationship and you have that connection and you know you are, I think the conversation comes pretty easy. It's just a matter of, you know, for example, for me, like I'll be reading a book and I'll be like, hey, honey, can I just read you this little, you know, tidbit out of this? And he's like, yeah, for sure. And I'm lucky I have an incredibly receptive husband. So um, he's like, yeah, of course. And I'll read it to him and I can like, see the wheels moving and then I just kind of leave it. I'll push it. I just read it and then leave it. And then usually the next day he'll be like, Hey, I was thinking about that thing you read me last night. So for men, it's, it's, we have to pace ourselves. We can't throw it all at them at once and be like, here, read this book, even though I try that. Um, but I think if we can just embrace it slowly with them and just be open to the conversation with them and, and, you know, kind of work towards, goals together. I think goal setting together is a big factor in that. Um, you know, my husband and I sit down once a month and we set our goals for the following month. So whether it's personal goals, whether it's business goals, whether it's relationship goals, whether it's something with our kids, uh, we sit down once a month and we set those goals together. That took time, you know, but all it really took was a suggestion. And it was just me saying to my husband, like, look, I didn't setting goals for myself for a year. Um, how would you feel about setting down some couples goals? And he was like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. So um, as we embrace our own selves and we develop our own selves, you'd be surprised how much it actually affects your spouse without you realizing it because they're watching you and they see you become a better person. Um, and men don't have the tendency to just put their hand up and say, me too, I want to do it too. Um, but sometimes when encouraged by a spouse, they're willing to make those changes. Exactly. And like you said, most of the time they want to help and be supportive and do whatever you're doing they just don't really know how to yeah, go about it absolutely um and if someone is feeling stuck in their business or their life or relationship like they've gone forward they had momentum and then it kind of just like plateaus out um what advice would you give them to get the wheels going again so i think the first step is really making sure that you're still on the right path um a lot of us get stuck and it is our intuition's way of telling us that we're not headed in the right direction. So sometimes, whether it's in a marriage or it's in a business, um, we have to really do some inner soul searching first. I think that's the key step. We can sit down and honestly admit to ourselves whether or not we feel this is the right direction. I do believe that we get barriers put in front of us as a way for us to take a break or to take a step back or to stop and relook at things that maybe aren't working. Um, that's the, that's the first part. So if you can sit down and see those barriers and think to yourself, okay, no, I'm definitely still headed in the right direction. Um, then it comes down to sort of finding some tools that work for it. So in the sense of business, for example, I myself made a few changes along the way. And every time that I did, it came with a, with a barrier of sorts where I had to sit down and say, okay, is this something greater? Is this a sign that this is not the right direction? And oftentimes we find that if we are headed in the wrong direction and we continue to head in that direction, we continue to get signs. 
And when we don't listen and we don't listen and we don't listen, eventually the signs get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we eventually have no choice but to listen. So um, inner soul searching is the first step to that. And again, I think a lot of that comes down to goals. You know, if you feel like you're stuck, look at where you want to be five years from now. And are you going to get there doing what you're currently doing? And is that why you feel stuck? is because you're not headed on the right path, because you're not headed in the right direction. And maybe it's something as simple as changing a niche if you're in a specific market. Maybe it's something as simple as, you know, putting a date night into your lives once a month to reconnect with your spouse. Um, there's so many little things that we can do to put ourselves in a different path, but we first have to acknowledge whether or not we're on the right one. For many of us, when those barriers come up, it is signs that we're maybe not doing what we're meant to be doing. Um, and when we can be honest with ourselves, that's when you see the biggest impact. So I say that with more experience than you could possibly imagine on the topic. Um, I spent many years not listening to the little voices for fear of what people might think if I did what I actually felt like I wanted to do. Um, and as I got older and more confident in myself and more confident in what I knew my purpose in life was, that's when I was able to start really paying attention to those blocks and being like, okay, this didn't pan out because I wasn't meant to be here in the first place. This step wasn't meant to be here or this business wasn't meant to move forward or this part of my life is meant to, you know, be moved on from. Um, so I think it really comes down to being in tune with yourself. That is the biggest step to being able to start finding your jam again. Um, if you're still, you know, say for example, you're a photographer and you feel like you're stuck and you know you're still meant to be a photographer, find a coach or a mentor or take a workshop, put yourself outside of where you normally are. So if you shoot in the city all the time, go to the mountains, um, put yourself in a new location that's going to spark inspiration in you that you didn't realize that you had. For a lot of us, it's taking ourselves out of our regular day-to-day -day regime and trying something that puts us in a place of creativity. So for me, I always found my design inspiration in the mountains. Um, there's something to me about being grounded in, in amongst something so large that just made me feel so tiny, that was always so humbling, that allowed me to sort of start to recreate with that energy. So I think that, you know, if we know we're on the right path, but we're just feeling a little bit lost, start with some soul searching. And if you still know you're headed in the right direction, get yourself out of where you normally are and put yourself into a different space to be able to see things through a different set of eyes. I love that. That was a great whole speech. It was very inspiring. Actually, I was like, oh yeah, I need to get out, especially because we're so lucky in Calgary that the mountains are so close. I yeah. feel like that's a lot of Calgarians um, like getaway is out to the mountains to clear their head. Absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, you know, we live in this day-to-day -day race of like, getting from one place to the other. And especially if you are um, a mom or a business owner or you have kids, it's chaos on a good day. Um, you know, we run, we don't walk or move slowly from place to place. We run at full tilt and then we get in the car and we drive faster. So it's like, we're constantly going and it's easy to fall into the regular mundane habits of life. And so sometimes the same thing happens with business. The same thing happens with marriage. Um, it's easy to fall into something that seems so normal that becomes so, you know, passe because we don't put the extra effort into it. So, um, you know, prioritizing and making sure that we connect, whether that's connecting with nature, whether that's connecting with your spouse, whether it's connecting with yourself, um, connection is key to 
you know, anything that's, that's great in life, we have to be connected to it. Totally. Well, and, and especially like disconnecting as well, on the other hand, to do the connection, yes. but also become disconnected from your phone and the internet, because that is a whole other, like running as fast as you can, because you're always connected to what everyone else is doing in that. So yeah, um, social media is its whole other devil all by itself. <laughs> totally. <laughs> has a, uh, it has a place and uh, you know, I run uh, a company off of it. So, um, you know, I can't narc on social media, but at the same time, I think that social media has a majorly negative impact on mental health. That's a topic I could talk about all day. And um, I think that it's important for us to be more connected with ourselves than we are with our phones. It's more important for us to be connected to our friends and our family, and our people that are real to our lives than it is to be connected to the people on social media. Um, because at the end of the day, we have to remember, you know, even, even people with, you know, 30 million followers, if that account were to close down the following day, what would that mean to their life? You know, if your social media were to get hacked and you were to lose everything, would you literally feel like your life were ending? Because if you do, there's other places you need to start focusing your energy on. Completely. Well, especially when we had that Instagram breakdown day, I feel like that was an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, just because they're like, what are we going to do if we don't have Instagram? But it's also just like everything else, like it's awareness and practice because I feel like you're like, oh no, I'm not really attached to my phone. I don't really care about social media. And then you don't realize that you're sitting there for hours and hours. You like, are. Your life around it. Yes. Like I have a, um, a time tracker on my phone to just be cautious of how much time I spend on it. You know, I know how much time it takes for me to effectively run my business and I know how much time is wasted. So, um, you know, that's something that I did was I put a tracker on my phone so that I could see, okay, well, this is how many hours I know roughly I use in a month to actually operate my business. So the rest of it is what, you know, and so it's a reality check and every month I work to be on it a little less and a little less so that I can actually focus on real connection because at the end of the day, that's, that's the most important thing is being able to connect on an, on a real level, um, as opposed to this inauthentic level. Exactly. I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes or failures that you've had throughout your career, whether before this one or now in your business, um, that actually turned out to be the most impactful lessons on your life? Yeah. So it's funny. I actually had read this question when you sent it to me and I, I like thought about it and thought about it. And I thought to myself, I'm actually somebody who doesn't believe in failing. Um, and so my reason for that is because I think that everything that we do in our lives teaches us a lesson for where we're really meant to be. So I think for me, the biggest lesson was always reminding myself that even though this didn't work, it's because it was meant to put me on a different path in a different direction. I think that's the thing that we have to constantly remember is that you're never meant to stay in one place. And failure is a way of showing you that you're chasing something that doesn't belong to you. Um, if you're failing at something, it's not because you suck or you're bad at it. You're failing at it because it's not your path. It's not your purpose. It's not where you really want to be. Um, and I think that's the thing that we have to constantly remind ourselves of. So it's easy in business to say, you know, I failed at this. I feel like I didn't do this properly. Um, but it's all really lessons. And for myself, you know, I have learned a ton. I've started businesses. I've sold businesses. I've closed businesses. Um, 
But when I sit where I am now, I realize that every single one of those steps and every single one of those failings and everything, single one of those things that could have made me quit only made me stronger. And it only made me work harder. And it made me learn that I am significantly more resilient than I thought I was. I'm smarter than I give myself credit for. Um, and I do have the ability to do something great if I'm willing to learn from my mistakes. So um, that's my biggest lesson with feeling is that feeling's not really feeling at all. It's just a lesson that you're not chasing your right path. I love it. And that's a better way to not feel bad for yourself or get down on yourself is to, then you can just keep moving forward and move on to the next thing. So mm -hmm. it's a better mindset to have and get used to having. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and where do you get the motivation and inspiration to keep coaching other people? Cause I'm sure you have points in your life where you just need a break or you're not feeling inspired to help other people. Um, how do you get over that or stay motivated or are you just always motivated to help other people? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that the need to help people has lived within me for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, even being a massage therapist, that was my goal. Uh, the motivation comes through recognition that I don't expect, to be completely honest. So, uh, for example, the other day, my husband was chatting with a lady who was selling something, and um, she had seen his last name and had asked if he was related to me. And she had told him that she follows me on Instagram and that she's a big fan of the empowerment that I give to women. And he came home and told me this. And, you know, here's my, like, you know, my strong tattooed covered husband beaming with pride. And it's those moments that keep me going. It's the moments of silent recognition that you have to remember there's always somebody watching you. And not everybody is vocal on the impact that you have in their life, but you have to know that you are impacting somebody's life at every given moment. So sometimes, you know, I feel like maybe I don't have something to give that day. And then I remember that I always have a little something more that I can dig within myself to find so that I can continue to help women. I came from incredibly abusive relationship before my husband. Um, and I think I always think back to that and how I'd always wished that I had had a woman that I looked up to that had motivated me, um, that maybe I would have made decisions faster than I did or sooner than I did and maybe not have been put in the situations I was in. So. I remind myself of that all the time that there is always somebody watching. And when all else fails, I have two little girls in my house and my daughters are that constant reminder that I'm impacting women's lives because I see it in them. So even on the days where I'm frustrated or angry, I am not a perfect mom. You guys, I yell. Um, but on the days, even when I get frustrated, I remind myself that I'm teaching my kids and I want to raise two humans who step out into the world someday and want to change somebody else's life the same way that their mom did. So it's the same reason I encourage women who have kids who think I can't have a business or a job or a company because I have kids. You want to teach your kids the right way. You don't want your daughters to come to you when they're 30 and say, Hey mom, you know, I want to write a book. What would you say to your daughter? You would tell her to go for it. It's the same thing you should tell yourself. So I find that, um, in my daughters, when I feel like I don't have anything to offer, I look at them and they remind me that I absolutely do. That's amazing. I was so heartfelt. I was like, oh, like I don't have children, but I was like, that's amazing. And I want to be a mom like that when I eventually do. You know, parenting and is one of those like beautiful journeys that you, uh, 
I think that kids are brought to this earth to teach us more than we could ever teach them. And, you know, there are days, there are, there's days it's hard. And you honestly, you contemplate trading them in for puppies. But at the end of the day, you know, your kids are here to teach you something so much bigger than you ever get to teach them. And we spend our days trying to make sure that we're raising them well and feeding them well and, and raising humans that are going to, you know, step out into the world and aren't going to do atrocious things. But when you look back and you think of all of the things that they teach you, those lessons are so much greater because the day that you have kids is the day that you give up your ability to be selfish and you always have to put somebody else first. And that's what makes moms so amazing is that we no longer get to think of ourselves, even though there's many times we should, we still always think of them first. So parenting is one of those beautiful journeys. And hopefully when you get to experience it, it's amazing. Trust me though, it's not always amazing. So don't let women tell you it's this fluffy, lovely rainbow experience because there are <laughs> days and there are days where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And I can't, I haven't slept in a week and I, my brain's not functioning at optimal levels. Um, but it, it honestly truly is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you find a work-life balance with your family and then running your own business? How do you divide your time or not just work all the time? Yeah. So I actually don't even know what the word balance means. <laughs> if I'm honest, um, balance, I think is what we make of it. So I work hard to make sure that I am honoring what I need and then this way, my cup is full for my kids, if that makes sense. So I know that I need a certain amount of hours a week. Um, so my kids go to day home during the summertime, two full days a week, because those are the days that I can designate to recording podcasts and interviews and doing all those sorts of things and coaching clients. Um, but my balance comes that when it's my time with my kids, I'm disconnected from work. And so it's the same thing when I travel, you know, I start picking up my schedule again in the fall and I'm gone for four, five, six days at a time. But I set the week afterwards to make sure that I only set one work day so that when I'm home with them, they get the chance to reconnect with mom. Um, that's important. I think balance looks different for everybody. And we cannot expect women to believe that there is a perfect 50-50 split between home and work because there's not. And I think it's important to do what works for you and what works for your family. And if you feel like you can't do it all, ask for help. And that's the biggest kicker. You know, I, I have a cleaning lady. I don't do it all by myself. Um, there are ways that as women, we need to understand that we can't be expected to do it all. So balance is different for everybody. My balance comes in knowing what works for me and my family. Um, my husband and I are avid uh, at least once a month date nighters. We have been married for almost 12 years. Um, and Truly, it's a marriage that is something I couldn't imagine not having. But if I didn't prioritize him on those days, then it's probably a marriage I wouldn't have. So I think it comes down to organizing your priorities and knowing what's important to you and then finding whatever balance it is that works for yourself. Right. And I think, like you said, everyone has different ways to balance and find that balance or not have a balance. And so I think people spend a lot of time looking at other people being like, oh, well, she does this, this, and this. Um, so I must be doing something wrong. But people need to really, like you said, just do whatever works for you and your family. Yeah, honestly, the toxicity of comparison is, um, ugh, it's nasty. And we just have to stop. You know, we compare ourselves to everybody on Instagram who lives a perfect life and has the perfect bodies and has the perfect kids. It's like it's BS and it's something that 
we can't try to live up to because it's not real. And anybody who says that they've got it all and they do it all and they do it all by themselves, they're lying because they don't, because you can't, it takes a village. There's a reason that there's that saying out there. Um, you know, we have to be okay to admit that we can't do it all. And I'm somebody who's very vocal and very honest in saying that I, I don't do it all. I have a day home lady who takes my kids. I have a cleaning lady who comes once a month um, because I can't do it all. And if I tried to do it all, I would, I, who knows where I'd be probably running around my neighborhood like a crazy person because you, you mentally can't. And women put such high expectations on themselves and we need to stop. We need to stop expecting ourselves to do everything and to be everything all the time on our games. It's okay to say no, and it's okay to not do it by yourself. Completely. I 100% agree with you on that. Um, what does your morning routine look like with working and having kids and all of that? Yeah, so um, I'm somebody who is working on being a part of the 5 a.m. club. Uh, it's a slow process because I'm a woman who likes my sleep. So um you know, I would, uh, right now my morning routine during the summertime is a bit different. I still get up before my kids. I still journal in the mornings. Um, I find a little bit of quiet time before my children wake up. This new develop, this is a new development for me. This is something I've started working on truthfully only in the last month. Um, before that, my mornings were chaos. So I decided that it was time to try something different that could hopefully end the chaos because when we start our days in a chaotic mental space, it's just not good for anybody. So um, I've started getting up before my girls and finding that time. My goal by the time my oldest goes back to school in September is to join the 5am club. So to be able to, they say that your peak performance levels in your brain for creativity and business sort of come around that time of day. So I'm hoping to be able to start waking up more around that time, but I journal in the mornings and I'm not a caffeine drinker, so I, I don't drink coffee, but um, I get up and I journal and sometimes I do a bit of meditation and I try to keep the first 30 minutes of my, of my day phone free um, so that this way I can focus more on me as opposed to having my emotions controlled by what I see on the internet. So um, those first 30 minutes are mine and I do whatever I want with them. And usually my husband's already up getting ready for work. So I just sit and I, you know, do a little journaling and a little meditation. And then once I sort of hit, hit my 30 minutes, then I'll spend a little bit of time catching up on social media and seeing if there's anything I need to deal with in emails and stuff for clients that's urgent for the day. And then, um, and then I wake my kids up and all chaos ensues. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I know lots of people part of the 5am club. I'm not really good at getting up that early and then sitting at home I'll get up at five and then go spin or go to the gym but yeah. I'm having I have a hard time like just sitting at home being awake then my dog's awake and then we need to go outside and it's too early for that <laughs> yeah and I've, I've I follow your Instagram account and you're in fantastic shape so I would love to tell everybody that I get up and hit the gym but the gym's my nemesis and I love it and I have that love-hate relationship with it um some days I will get up and get like a 30 minute workout in. Um, but like, I'd be lying if I said it was every day. It's like maybe once every two weeks, <laughs> I'm an afternoon exerciser. So I do go to the gym religiously on the days that my girls are at day home, but it's usually in the afternoons. I just find I have more energy at that time. 5am I look at the gym and I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> um, where I'm more in my mental space first thing in the morning. Uh, my energetic space seems to hit me more in the afternoon. Totally. I think you're like one or the other. And like we've said yeah. this whole conversation, it's good to just find out what works for you the best. Yeah. So 
Yeah. No expectations. You just yeah. do what works for your life and that's it. That's the best that you could do. Exactly. Um, a couple more questions for you. Yeah. You've given a lot of advice and tips and tricks throughout this whole conversation, but what would be one last piece of advice that you'd give to someone um, starting a business? Have a plan. Uh, I think having a plan is the number one thing that you can do. When we set out with purely an idea in our minds, uh, it doesn't always come to fruition because it's not planned properly. So having a plan. And I think that we need to remember that our passion needs to be greater than anything we can possibly imagine, because you're going to get told no, and you're going to get shut down and you're going to hit road barriers and roadblocks and things that you think are the reason you shouldn't do it. And it's going to be easy to give up because it is easy to give up. That's why everybody does it. Quitting is easy, but the fear of not doing it and regret is so much bigger than the actual fear of not trying. So I think that you have to remember that you have to be driven by passion because it's what's going to keep you moving through the darkest times and the late nights and the early mornings and the hours that you want to cry and the days that you don't want to do it anymore. Knowing that what you're doing has a purpose greater than anything that you could possibly imagine. That's what's going to keep you going in business. I love it. Um, and is there a book or podcast that you would recommend to listeners? Um, so I'm currently on a huge Rachel Hollis kick. I am reading Girl Stop Apologizing um, because I think that what it stands for is just incredible. So if you haven't read Rachel Hollis's Girl Stop Apologizing, that would be my first choice um, purely because it is such a uh, eye-opening book for women to realize that it's literally you have to stop apologizing for what in your life you have to own your life um podcasts I'm, I'm actually all over the place um but i'm i'm an oprah listener i think oprah's insight to life and the people that she interviews has so much depth to it um there's just something so beautiful about oprah soul uh so i'm a super soul sunday listener um and in terms of business there's a couple that i listen to um julie solomon is a good one uh jenna kuchar is really good for social media stuff um, so I kind of am a bit all over in business. It's sort of whatever I'm looking for that day specifically. Um, but when it comes to things of the soul, I'm, I'm an Oprah girl. Yeah, no, she's amazing. I listen to her podcast every once in a while. I feel like she can get anybody on her podcast. So she has really interesting people that you yeah. probably wouldn't have like heard from. Yeah. And she's got such a variety that you know, you're listening for, I mean, anybody, she's got authors and CEOs. And so it's nice because everybody gives you a different uh, look into their lives and what makes them successful. So I think that that's super helpful. Totally. I know. I love it. Well, plus she's, she's already knows how to like be a good speaker and a good interviewer. So it's yeah. easy to listen to. Cause she's Oprah. I just, exactly. Just my mind. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and where can people find and connect with you? Yeah. So I am on Instagram. I am the Stacy Foley on Instagram. Um, and I have got a website. It's stacyfoley.ca. It is in the process of getting an update. Um, just updating the handle to go with the Stacy Foley. So it'll actually become the Um, and then we are, I'm in the process of launching a podcast, which is coming out in September. Um, so you can keep an eye out for that as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight. That was awesome. 
Thank you so much for having me.